Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster Church. Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or viewing the service over our YouTube channel, we're so happy that you're with us this morning and we hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our worship service this morning. Uh, as I always say, for our first gift uh, to God this morning is our presence here, and I think Welton's going to have something to say about that in his sermon this morning, to acknowledge your presence and if you're... Uh, comfortable doing so if you would please sign the attendance register that you'll find there on the hymn book holder on the inside aisles. As many of you or perhaps most of you know, one of our relatively new members, Jay Aro, was involved in a very serious auto motorcycle accident this past Friday and was had to be airlifted to a hospital in Shreveport and is in very serious condition and we did get a text from his wife Anne this morning, and I want to share that with you. She says, asking if you could please update the church that Jay needs a lot of prayers today, especially and in the next couple of days for the pressure in his brain to decrease. He is critical that they are able to keep him stable, and I've gotten to be with him nonstop. He has great, a great medical staff. Thank the church for the prayers and tell them we feel it. So I think it would be appropriate now if we just take a brief moment of prayer, uh, a silent prayer, everyone praying together, and let's lift up Jay and Ann and their boys uh, and, and pray for, for Jay's healing and for God's uh, presence with them through, through this time. Let's pray. Amen. Well, we're thankful to have our director of music, Debbie Chandler, back with us after a successful two weeks of directing choirs in Greece. Uh, and Debbie didn't get burned up in the fires over there, I understand. Uh, Dr. Uh, Julian Jones is our guest pianist today, and we always appreciate Julian's willingness to share his amazing talents with us. Uh, our music associate and pianist, Justin Havard, will be away from us for a month as he helps lead the prestigious Savannah Voice Festival. And our organist and musician in residence, Dr. D.H. Clark, is away today because he's the musical director of Mamma Mia at the South Arkansas Arts Center in El Dorado. And their last performance after a very successful run is this afternoon. And if you'll uh, allow me a personal note, I will say thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> We so much appreciate so many of you signing up to contribute to the pounding for Jillian and Eric Henkammer, and, and some giving money to help with their incidental moving expenses. And if you would still like to make a monetary gift, please make your checks payable to Northminster or go on the website and, and give online and mark for Henkammer pounding or just pounding. Uh, we're thankful to Marilyn Decker for the beautiful arrangement of flowers on the communion table this morning. As you'll see in your order of worship, the flowers are given to honor and thank those 14 people who filled our pulpit so well during the past year when we've been without a senior pastor. If you haven't already, please check out last week's newsletter where I wrote an article naming and saying a little bit about each of these 14 special people. We are so, so grateful to them. And as usual, after worship, please feel free to take 
some of the flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. And as I also said in the article in the newsletter last week, with Jillian's sermon preached to us in view of her call as our senior pastor, she was actually number 15. We are so thankful that Jillian accepted our call, and next Sunday will be her first Sunday with us as our senior pastor. Please make, please, please make every effort to be here next Sunday as we welcome her as our senior pastor. And pray for traveling mercies for Jillian and Eric as they will be driving here from Pennsylvania this next week. As always, please review the insert in the order of worship uh, for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. Now it's my privilege to introduce Lydia Duke and Marley Keene, two of our young people who attended Baptist Youth Camp in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago as they come to share something of their camp experience. And following their report, they will also lead us in the call to worship. Lydia and Marley, thank you. At BYC, I learned a lot, like friendship, that everyone is not hateful, that people are kind, as well people do have the same views of me in this world. This camp changed me by sharing love, kindness, and much more, as well to be supported and not to stop sharing love, to not stop sharing love. It was great up there, lots of fun, and let me tell you, great weather. Everyone was loved up there for who they were, for who they are, no matter what. The thing is, you could be the weirdo at home, but not at BYC. So if you cannot tell, yes, I will be going back next year, and that is why camp slays all day. <clears throat> so as you may have all heard, Lydia and I recently attended BYC in North Carolina. I've never been to a camp or a church camp, but I can say this one is the best one yet. There were lots of, <laughs> there were lots of great people I met and became friends with, and it is a very inclusive camp. That's not all. At camp, you could pick your interest group, like sports and games, which I did, writing and newspaper, outdoor adventures, art, and worship and music. And then there was all camp activity, like we would do a fire at night or making our own constellations. We had a dance. Dance was my favorite. <laughs> and then there's worship. Worship had a lot of music and engagement. But my favorite part of the day, though, is free time. Lots you can do during free time, like swimming in the lake, fishing, playing card games in the mess hall. You could play basketball on the slab and gaga ball, which is Lydia's favorite. I could sit all day and talk about what you could do, but I don't have that amount of time. So the last thing I want to talk about is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, the sunrise. Now this is optional, but I suggest you go watch the sunrise at least once during the week because it was amazing, it was so peaceful. And I suggest the rest of our youth group to just think about going summer. You could have so much fun. And that's all. Okay, we're going to read the call to worship now. <laughs> Let us give our thanks in the words of the psalmist. 
make a joyful noise to God, every, everyone on earth. When we light our lamp, we place it so that it gives light to all the house, not hidden under a basket. In the same way, we let our light of God shine before, before others. Let our light be forth, that all may see the and give God glory. First and foremost, put on love. This binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let Christ's peace rule in your in your hearts. We called in peace to be one love loving body. Let the word of Christ, which is love, dwell in you richly, helping each other toward the wisdom of knowing Christ's love. Sing homes and and spiritual songs with thankful hearts and voices. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus and the love he brings from God. Sing together your psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody to God with all your praise. Let us song worship God.
This time, next Sunday, Pastor Jillian will be in this pulpit to begin her ministry with Northminster Church and to hear our words of gratitude and excitement and expectation on her arrival. We welcome the ministry we will experience together in this church and in our community. I hope you will remember that Jillian is not here to do everything that the church needs to do. We must, we must be doing church together. Jillian is a human being who loves us and wants us to love her. Knowing that all of us have important hopes and agendas, I hope that together we will remind each other that she will need time alone, time with her husband, time to prepare sermons, time to study words of scripture, time to laugh, Moments for her to find ways to help hurting people. To have the strength to say to people, I don't know all the answers. Or, I can't always explain God's ways. Time to laugh. And time for deep breathing as well as doing her multiple ministries. She is here for us to be together. This is Jillian's time for telling stories, asking questions, teaching, truths, challenging, listening as well as speaking, and always to be a prophet. We are blessed. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us a church. A church. We thank you for it. Oh God, help us keep it. Give us the wisdom, strength, vision, and commitment necessary to keep the church as a church for the sake of people seeking comfort and grace for the good of this community and for our and your glory. Amen. Thank you. 
Old Ms. Brown. That's what the people in the church of my childhood called her. Old Ms. Brown. I never heard the rest of her name, whether she was young or old, I don't know. Ms. Brown lived midway up a one and a half to two miles climb from where our church house worshipped to her front door. Rarely did anyone visit this woman. A, a lack of cleanliness kept some people away from her. Ms. Brown always walked alone. To this day, I don't know what, if anything, Ms. Brown took away from her attendance in worship, but I know what she contributed to worship. Herself. What more can a person give? Walking was her only mode of transportation up and down that steep hill in all kinds of weather. When she missed a church gathering, everyone noticed and remarked about her absence because of the regularity of her attendance. Ms. Brown had little money. Her gift to her church was her presence. And she offered that gift with generosity and faithfulness and sometimes sacrifice. People, people who grew up in the Southern Baptist Convention were familiar with the six-point record system. How, did, it, did any of you all know that? Yeah. Well, it was a small piece of paper on which everyone in the church measured a, what I would call, pragmatic spirituality. <laughs> Each person checked yes or no on the paper to record whether or not she or he was going to hear the sermon of that day. Now, growing up, Filling out that record, I always thought that it was kind of crazy. But eventually, however, I came to see the importance of that point system. Now, there were a lot of other things that, went, that I wouldn't say that about. But it got one thing right. Its first question on the paper was, yes or no, present. A person's check meant, I'm here. Across the decades of my ministry, I concluded that one of life's greatest gifts, regardless of the identity of the giver, is presence. Presence. I'm not sure that we can ever underestimate the importance of the gift of presence in so many different realms of life. When a child or young person is presenting a recital or appearing in a play or participating in an athletic event, nothing takes the place of the presence of those 
who care for and want to be supportive of this kid. Later in life, uh, older people want to be present for anniversaries, for birthdays, for weddings, for funerals. We cannot mail in what is the most needed to honor a major life transition, whether the event merits a time of joy or a time of grief. Presence speaks louder in silence than do words meant to take the place of presence. Where a person is on a friend's special occasion or during an important gathering reveals a lot about that person. The importance of presence pervades the Holy Scriptures and appears repeatedly as a major dimension of a healthy spirituality. Perhaps the most important and life-sustaining promise in all of Christianity is the assurance of God's presence in our lives. The Hebrew psalm writer joyously raised the rhetoric question to God, where shall I go beyond your presence? Well, the answer to that rhetorical question from the heavens was, we are never beyond God's presence. Nowhere in the universe are we estranged from God's presence. Among Jesus' last words to his disciples, according to Matthew's gospel, were, I am with you always. Now think about that. Central to the two greatest festivals in the Christian year, Christmas Day and Easter Sunday, involve the assurance of God's presence. Now pay attention to that. What is the most basic message of each of these seasons? Christmas derives its joy for the truth captured in the name Emmanuel that literally means God with us. We may not acknowledge the divine presence, but we cannot shuffle away from the truth of Easter. The love that became flesh and the reality of Jesus' presence were palpable truths. Who, who wants to miss Christmas? Or, or who wants to miss Easter? I have never been ashamed of my tears of grief shed because I could not be with someone I love on special days. The resurrection narrative adds yet another story about the importance of presence in Christianity. The disciple named Thomas had trouble believing that Jesus was alive and as much as said he would not believe until he could see and feel the reality of Jesus. 
Thomas had been absent when Jesus first appeared to his disciples after Good Friday. With abounding grace, Jesus, Jesus made sure that though Thomas missed the assurance of the divine presence, he, we're talking about Jesus, he would not miss sharing that presence for Thomas. Here I am. Jesus said, Here I am, Thomas, standing right there in front of you. Touch me. My presence is real. I am with you. Don't, don't you want to touch the person you long for? On Sunday after Sunday, for over 25 years following the preludes in Northminster's sanctuary. I have welcomed people into worship and stressed over and over the importance of presence in worship, asking that all in the sanctuary participate in worship if they wish. As you surely have learned, I never take anyone's presence for granted. I know the transient nature of the lives in this church. But being present is important. I always affirm everybody's presence in the sanctuary. Presence in worship merits affirmation. We're glad you're here. Far more people do not go to a place of worship during the week than do. Why? Pollsters have found substantive reasons for the decline in worship in the United States. First, among the most prominent reasons are people's fatigue with the heavy-handed judgmental nature of most houses of worship. A second factor is that the messages that people receive in houses of worship are not relevant to the issues with which most people struggle through the week. Young people have deserted houses of worship because of the resistance to houses of worship in which LGBTQ plus are not welcome. Also, many previous worshipers have excited houses of worship because of their lack of good news and the absence of their provision of a spiritually hope. Recently, of course, became the pandemic. And virtually no one was in church buildings until numerous houses of worship began televising their services. And now... Now many people argue that television worship should just be shut down because people no longer come to the church. And if we can get them to do that, then that's good. I don't agree. I don't agree with that argument. Many people are getting to worship in their church that they have not been able to before. That provision needs not take the place of people 
who can worship together. Sadly, in Christianity, many churches try to assure an attendance, a good attendance, by making participation in the church a duty that carries a heavy load of guilt if not done. Surely, surely we should be able to see that worship to avoid guilt is a short-lived motivation. Sharing the gift of presence is a far more potent, participatory, and loving way to bring people together in the name of God. In many of the most important dimensions of our lives, we tend to avoid places and situations where we will not know what to say or do, so let's don't go. Please, please people, hear me. Presence delivers the loudest and most important message you can speak even if you never say a word where you are. Sharing love, giving comfort, empathizing with hurt, recognizing common pain, and celebrating a moment that defies articulation do not require words or cause discomfort. Just presence. Scores of people tell me that they find themselves all too often in situations in which they want to help, but they do not know how to help or what to say or what to do. That is not a problem. Your presence is far more important than your words. I have stood grieving with many people in moments of loss when the only gift I had to give them was my presence. Their situation defied explanation. Their hurt was far too painful to describe. Their joy lifted for above words. The only suitable gift was presence. Now, whether questioning our involvement in a worship service, a concert, uh, at a lecture or another event that we want to support, we should never stay away from a place we need to go or people we need to see because of a fear of not knowing what to think or feel. How will people remember you? My question is not so morose as to be inquiring about uh, your death. Rather, it is an interesting and pressing question about our lives. When you move to another city, change jobs, or fall out of touch with uh, one-time close friends, how will those people remember us? How, how do our friends and acquaintances remember us and for what reason? Frankly, I was surprised when I recently stumbled onto a, a new research piece that answers my question. And frankly, particularly 
as a minister, I didn't like the answer to the question. We remember people by how they make us feel. We recall an individual who almost always made us happy or sad, an acquaintance that made us feel uptight and nervous or relaxed and calm. I think of people who frustrated me or left me fatigued. We remember people by how they made us feel. Remember, people remember us by how we made them feel. Now for me, here's the kicker in this discovery. Maya Angelou, as well as others, made a memorable, well-studied observation. These are her words. People will get, people will forget what we say but they will never forget how we made them feel. The reality is that no one may remember us as we wish to be remembered. How we dressed, whether we are thin or overweight or what our favorite music was, because the deepest and most lasting memories of us by others are birthed by the most prominent and profound feelings that we have evoked in others. And we do not know how others see us and feel about us. Let me speak personally. I was stunned when I sorted through an inventory of my memories related to the fellowship that I have had here in Northminster Church. There are members of this congregation who, since the earliest days of my ministry here, have been physically present at every important event in my life or my family's life during the most difficult time of my life when our son John Paul died. Members of this church and great friends from multiple directions drove or flew from numerous parts of our nation to get to Macon, Georgia, and in one 24-hour stretch of time to be with Judy and me for one hour during our celebration of John Paul's life. Now let me tell you why I'm telling you that. I am telling you about those days because I I want you to know, I don't remember a word any of those people said to me on that occasion. But I remember who was present and how they made me feel. The gift of presence is a priceless treasure. We either are present or not present in a critical fleeting moment of time that is here and then gone. The most important gift that you can share with anyone at any time is seizing a unique moment 
and making sure you are fully present in that moment with the person or people who need you by their side. Whether wanting to show love, demonstrate sympathy, often comfort, give hope, say, I'm sorry, extend help, assure comfort, nothing takes the place of presence. No words, no card, no node, nothing else means as much as the closeness of your presence and the feelings of your breath on the life of the one to whom you are making the gift. That truth makes transparent a person's commitment to and involvement in a church. You can, you can mail in an offering, but as important as that support is, it cannot match the gift of your presence. On this particular Sunday, let me be dead honest and say to you encouragingly for your incoming pastor, members of this church need to recover a sense of the urgency and the intimacy of supporting worship and ministry here and your greatest gift, your presence. In the earliest days of Northminster Church, members covenanted together to be in worship on Sunday morning, even if that required a long trip home the night before. Everyone wanted to encourage everyone else, and presence was easy. Let me tell you, sometimes just before presenting is a gift of unfathomable worth. Sometimes when we are most fatigued and preoccupied with other matters and we are so depleted that we have nothing to give but our presence showing up the least we can give suddenly becomes the most we can give too many times to count either before or after worship I have asked people at the door how are you doing today? Not as a perfunctory inquiry, but a genuine question anticipating a true answer. And often the response to my question is, well, I'm, I'm here. No sooner are those words out of a person's mouth than I said to them in all seriousness, that counts. That's important. Showing up is the first gift of worship in the service of that day. A story from World War II stuck in my mind. A German minister had recently moved to a congregation that uh, took him into a new city. Shortly after the minister's transition, his new hometown was attacked by a series of bombings. The pastor tossed and turned sleeplessly all of the night. 
He could hear bombs exploding and shells shattering in the distance of the city from which he had recently departed. He could not get his mind off his former parishioners wondering how they were faring, how they were faring under such vicious and brutal assaults. In the early hours of the next morning, the pastor heard a rapping at his door. And when he cautiously opened the door, standing in front of him was a dear friend from his former congregation, his clothes in shreds and his face covered with smut and smoke. The depleted man looked at his former pastor with a smile and said, I just thought you would like to know I'm alive. Yes. Yes. The life of the disheveled man in the doorway mattered. His presence was his gift. His gift was his presence. Thank God he was alive and wanted someone close to him to know he still had the weight of a loving presence. My friends, when any one of us can say in worship or in a bombed out village or after a terrorist attack or in the vision of destruction from a hurricane, and we can say, I am here. That is a confession worthy of a celebration. Maybe the person can't say anything else or do anything else but mumble, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I showed up. It's time for a crescendo on the organ or the blare of a trumpet to celebrate presence. I still think about old Ms. Brown. There was so little she could give to the church, though she gave so much to the church. Without the gifts of presence, there is no congregation, no corporate worship. But she showed up almost every Sunday. What a great gift with which to support a fellowship of God's people. The gift of presence is the gift of life. The person you love can never give you any greater gift than that person's presence. And there is no one who cannot make that gift. Amen.
this bread mean to you individually? Collectively, we know that Jesus met with his friends, his disciples, that one last time. And he said, I'm going away. He knew he would be betrayed. It was his last night with his friends, and he wanted to give them a reminder that any time they were together, they broke bread together to take and to eat and to remember that moment. And after they had taken the bread, as confused as they were, as scared as they were, they were still present together that evening. He took the cup and he poured it, and he said, this is my love poured out for each of you. Anytime you're together, and you do this, 